0: What's up, party-slash-possibly-vacationing people? Welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at the handle on Twitter or on Patreon. And you can find me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter as well. I'm bringing up Patreon because this episode is brought to you by Cherry Coke Zero. (laughs) As a side note, but I was doing some weird Wikipedia diving the other day as I am wont to do, and I ran across a reference to the fact that my f- my absolute favorite teen horror author, Peter LaRanges, she pronounced uncertainly, um, who wrote the yearbook, and I think that might be the only book that he has published under his own name, possibly. Anyway, it is fucked up as shit, and I love it. Um, anyway, he was the ghostwriter for two of the fucking Nancy Drew slash Hardy Boys super mysteries. You have heard me reference these before because they and in, they invoke such rage in me. He did not do the one that made me want to just burn the entire fucking world down. But he did Shockwaves, which is my favorite of all of them. So I'm really excited to reread both the yearbook and Shockwaves because Ned's in it. Nancy's rocking a swimsuit on the front cover. There's some making out. I'm here for it. I'm fucking here for it. So I was thinking that a... I don't want to have to read all the mystery stories because, I mean, the super mysteries. There, There's a lot that I just... I'm not fucking reading The Last Resort is what I'm telling you. I'm not reading that shit again. <laughs> I will fucking throw that book. Anyway, but I do want to read Shockwaves. And I was like, if I just do it as a one-off and then I can just throw it up on Patreon. So... I'm probably going to put it up this summer, like, I'll make an announcement, and it'll be for anybody who's pledging, like, a dollar or more, so all patrons will have access to it, and I'll probably only do one a month, because, oh my god, I have to sleep sometime, but anyway, yeah, shockwaves, yeah, yeah. They were like, oh, this is the book that establishes that this is within the continuity of the universes. And I was like, fuck, no, it isn't. There's a Nancy Drew Files that says that the Hardy Boys are fictional. So just suck it. Suck it in every possible way. Anyway, I've I've got a lot of rage attached to this, as you can tell. You were like, I thought you were enraged before. Girl, you ain't seen it. Anyway, this week's episode, let's get to the main problem here. It is absolutely bonkers as shit. And I thought about it for a minute and I was like, I need to just say that the ghostwriter for this one has accepted that 35 years ago they made some weird choices because, again, we're in 1987. Um, they made some weird choices. They just made some. I don't know if they had never read a Nancy Drew book before in their lives. I don't know. No judgment. Some judgment. Some judgment because I want to be one of you. Let me be one of you. Okay. This one is book number 17. Which is stay tuned for danger. Which, uh, I mean, honestly, if you're gonna title it something like that, like some shit needs to catch on fire. And, um, some shit does, kind of, in a way. Yeah, actually, there is, there's some tiny fires. <laughs> Okay, we're in 1987. The reason that I say that I don't think the ghostwriter had ever read a Nancy Drew book previously is because of some, like, we've got some mystery stories throwback shit happening in the beginning, so, okay, I'll give you that. But we've also got, like, I'm not sure that they would read any of the files-ish. Yeah, that feels kind of more like it. Because the book fucking opens with Bess at an ice cream parlor with Nancy and George, which... Side note, like, the only places that these bitches frequent in the files is pizza parlors and ice cream parlors. Like, they're like, that is it. We want some arcades happening. We want to feed some coins into some slot machines. That's just how we roll. Anyway, so they're sitting there, and Nancy is, of course, like, relishing the fuck out of an ice cream sundae while Bess is watching her salivating. And is like, uh, if I weren't on this diet, and Nancy's like, mm, this is so good. And I'm like, Nancy, do not be that sort of bitch. Do not do this. I mean, there were a lot of bad decisions that had to be made to lead up to this one particular situation involving, why did you choose a fucking ice cream parlor? Why are you eating in front of Bess, who was always dieting in this series? Like, uh, I've said this before. Like, if you wanted to diagnose Bess with an eating disorder or disordered eating based on her activity within the files, you could 100% do that. You could, you could hang everything on that. You could even do it for mystery stories as well. But mm, anyway... So there's that shit happening where Bess is like, I just need to lose some weight, which in the tech, in the context of the books, like Bess is usually presented as being like maybe five to 10 pounds above her goal weight. Ooh. Okay. If you are a person who is, who has issues with me discussing pounds, like I'm going to limit it to this. But anyway, like, holy shit, like five to 10 girl, girl, it's okay. It's okay. And again, she ain't got no trouble attracting guys. I'm sure that she would have no trouble attracting women if she so chose. But anyway, and in this book, like, mm, mm, anyway, so uh, Nancy and Bess are going to New York. They're leaving George behind for reasons that I believe were left vague. They were like, oh, you're going to drive us to the airport. So George is there, like, piling on with all the... Oh, she's training for something. Like, oh, my God. Whenever the ghostwriter's like, I mean, do I have to write George? They were like, just say she's training for shit. Because, again, that's, like, if we're going to say, what is their one characteristic for this series? Nancy, mysteries. Also, maybe possibly making out with Ned if if anybody was going to throw me a fucking bone. Uh, Bess is boys shopping and dieting. That's her thing. And George is, like, training for some sort of sports event and also, like, giving off alternately asexual slash maybe some curious vibes. Mm, more so for the mystery stories for the files. But, anyway, that's okay. So... They're heading to New York to visit with Aunt Eloise, which there's one point in the book where the person is using like a fuck ton of dialogue tags where it's like, Maddie, comma, I'm blah, blah, blah. I can't believe this Maddie. And I'm like, okay, honey, honey go listen to human beings. They don't say each other's names unless they think that the other person is not paying attention or to emphasize a point. So, shh. If your writing is not good enough to indicate who you're talking to at any given point, go back and rewrite the shit going on around the writing. Like, oh, Okay. So, Nancy and Bess are on their way to New York. Oh, the, the most hilarious thing about this is they're like, oh, our plane's going to take off in an hour. We should probably get to the airport. Like, of course, this is pre 9-11 when you could like literally show up five minutes before a flight. You could fling yourself dramatically toward the gates, flapping, cardigans, denim everywhere. And nobody was going to fucking stop you or it, it was going to be fine. It was going to be fucking fine. They were like, you need to make a dramatic protest of love. Head for it. They're at gate I- A3. It's fine. Go. Enjoy it. <laughs> fling yourself dramatically onto a luggage carousel. So, they have to head for the airport. George is back. home training for shit. I don't even know if John is fucking mentioned in this book after the the just debacle of their relationship in the last book. Where it's like, you're with Debbie. Or you're not with Debbie. Or you're exploring your feelings for Debbie in a way that probably involved taking your clothes off. But we decided to leave that off the page. Sure, hon. So... The fucking thing that happens that I was like, so you don't understand the basic premise of these books. And again, no judgment, Ghostwriter. It's hard work to bang out a 150-page novel based for 9- to 12-year-olds. I get it. Anyway, so the Ghostwriter's like, yes, she's going to go see Aunt Eloise, who she's going to say several times, my aunt, comma, Eloise. And I'm like, we all know, everyone, dead people know. It's fine. They are staying at her apartment, which she has, she's done some cute shit with. Although in this book, you may remember, and the fun thing is because I keep going back and forth between the mystery stories and the files, like, and oddly enough, it keeps syncing up in a good way um Eloise is described as very similar to Nancy in a previous book. Like they look very similar to each other. So they've got like the golden hair and the sparkling blue eyes, and just wanting to poke their nose into things that may or may not be their own business. And this one, she is described as looking like Carson. So she's got dark hair and sparkling eyes, and just very aristocratic. And you are like, sure, one hundred percent here for it. What, what of? It doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. But whenever um, Nancy and Bess walk in, and of course Nancy and Bess are going to be sharing a bedroom, when you're like, why are you mentioning that? And I'm like, first off, because this always makes things awkward whenever I want to set things at Eloise's apartment and fanfic. Second, because um, shenanigans. So um, Eloise is like, Nancy, um, I've I've run into a, a situation that I thought you might be interested in. Nancy, this is Nancy's response. She's like, Oh, no, Aunt Eloise, I am here for a vacation. No mysteries. And I'm like, if there were ever, this is like that fucking thing that it says, like, what would you post on social media to let people know that you've been kidnapped that other people might like that your kidnappers would not pick up on? Even even though if you're kidnapping Nancy fucking Drew, I think you know what you're getting, into. But anyway, for her to be like, "Oh no, no mysteries on this trip," I'm like, "Have you been replaced by a clone? Is this your way of telling us that you have somebody somebody has Ned hostage? Like what the fuck?" But she's like, "No, no," and Bess is like, "Well, I mean, what's it about? I'm just just spitball. What's it about?" And and Eloise is like. Well, you do know that Maddie, my downstairs neighbor, who is on Danner's Dream, the famous soap opera, and Bess immediately is like, shut the front door. What? She lives downstairs in your apartment building. And you're like, yeah, I guess she moved in recently because y'all visit her like every third book. So sure, sure, it's fine. And I don't think that she's ever mentioned again within the series. No big, no big. Um, anyway, um, so Maddie lives downstairs in Eloise's building. Maddie is the female lead on Danner's Dream, which is their 1987 soap opera. Just so deeply 1987. Um, the, she is playing opposite. I don't remember his fucking last name, but it's close enough to Astley that I'm going to call him Rick Astley. That is not his name, but now I'm picturing the redhead, never going to give you up guy. And it works in so many ways. But anyway, there's, there's also some fun racism in this book. Mm, anyway, um, so Maddie has a problem. Rick's life is being threatened by mysterious notes and and things, and just creepy shit is happening, and Maddie's like, he's in danger, nobody believes me, and Eloise is like, well, my niece, who loves mysteries, is coming to visit, and I mean, if nobody's taking you seriously, because again, we've talked about this weird gap that has to happen for Nancy to get involved, where it has to be serious enough for Nancy to be like, oh, I should check into that. But not serious enough that the cops are going to be involved. Like, and even though Nancy does occasionally have investigations which overlap with cops, but in this case, not so much. The the cops were like basically like, what? He gets a ton of hate mail. He gets a ton of love mail. He like he's a big star. Like we can't whatever the fuck, whatever the fuck. So, um, Maddie actually like comes home and Eloise is like, oh, um, let me just let. Let you talk to Nancy because Nancy's like, uh, we're not going to be here that long. We're going to be like sightseeing and, and relaxing. And I just had no interest in doing a mystery at this time. And I'm like, what the fuck? The only time I will accept that answer from you is during your fucking honeymoon, Nancy Drew. Your fucking honeymoon. And I mean that both literally and figuratively. So, um, Maddie comes up and talks to her and she's like, Nancy, I, I'm so upset over him. And Nancy's like, and i'm going to fuck all this up you know this but anyway nancy's like are you are you two like a thing and maddie's like no we're not a thing wink and nancy's like oh okay Okay. So anyway, Bess has been, of course, following this show. She's like, and Nancy does not. Like, that is part of Nancy's personality within this. She is just enough of a teenager that she registers as a teenager, but she's also very much, like, crossing the threshold over into adulthood. So whenever people talk about, like, this band, she might be familiar with them. This TV show, she might be familiar with it, but she's very much like, I'm solving mysteries all the time. I do not have time for pop culture, which I can appreciate. But anyway... So Nancy talks to Maddie, and Maddie's like, "We'll just come to the set tomorrow, and like you can we you can see the set, and it'll be fun." And I'm just really trying to persuade you to do this. And Nancy's like, "Ugh," oh. and Bess is like, "A set, vi- Nancy fucking Drew. We are going for that set visit." And Nancy's like, "Okay, okay. Well, it's just a set visit, and I guess it kind of counts as sightseeing." And everyone's like, "Hooray!" Although, again, like the weirdly out of character, like. Nancy is not generally fucking reluctant to do this shit. Like, even if it's like Nancy's anniversary dinner with Ned, she's like, I mean, I can blow that shit off. And you're like, sure. So for her to be like, oh, well, I'm just really hardcore into vacationing in New York, which I've been to New York dozens of times over decades. It's fine. I've seen all this shit under construction. They can go visit Times Square where shit is still super weird and lots of sex stores. Like, do some stuff, y'all. Do some stuff. Anyway, they go for their set visit the next day. Maddie is super excited to show them everything. Um, and they walk in. There's like a security guard. They have to check in. So Nancy's like, okay, at least you've got some security. Um, they, go, they go near the producer's office. And I think it's George Papas. I think that's him. Um, and he's on the phone with somebody. He's like, I'm so mad at him that I could kill him. And Nancy's like, mm-hmm. and Bess is like, this seems like a clue. <laughs> Because here's the thing, and basically Maddie tells her about this, but it comes up several times over the course of this. Rick Astley has become such a huge star thanks to this soap opera, and again, I'm, I can't emphasize this enough. His, he is playing the main character on the fucking soap, so he is Rory Danner, which is really hard to pronounce. Rick Astley's only slightly better. So, he's been offered, like, a a film contract or a movie role or something like that where, like, he's, everybody's really excited. And he's decided to fucking accept it. Like, he is going to leave this damn show. And this is the show that made him a star. This is, you know, everybody is so excited because... Like, his success is their success, but then he's going to be moving on, and Maddie's still on the show, and blah, blah, And they're like, we're going to have to, like, write him off or some shit, and it's just all real, real bad. Like, there's a lot of bad blood. Um, Nancy eventually finds out that Rick has banged everybody on set, and when I say that, like, this book, again, feels like they were, the Ghost was having to work really hard to edit it for a, for the correct audience, for their correct age group because I've read this like I read it when I was of the appropriate age and I'm reading it now and going oh mm, there's a lot that happened in here that they just 100% were not telling you um were was he banging everybody yes was he banging probably like even males I I can make a case for it but girl I can make a case for that at the drop of a hat um But, yeah, like, everybody has bad feelings about him because he's he's used everybody. He uses people for their connections. He uses people for, like, what they can give him. And then after he has used whatever goodwill, whatever they can hand him, he moves on. So, yeah, he dated Maddie. He dated another... I cannot fucking remember what she does. I think she's involved in, like, set design. But she... Or maybe she's, like, the the person who is actually on the set doing the directing. Or she's involved in that aspect of it. She's actually down there observing everything as it's happening. Um, He's pissed off the person who is up in the booth directing which camera is going to be used for which shot. He is, of course, pissed off the producer who has to work with the studio. Like, he's everybody is like, I mean, he's super fucking hot, but he's also dumb as a fucking post, and he fucks over everybody, so he's just that level of asshole, and this book does not do much to redeem this, if anything, really, if anything. At the the end of the book, like, there's a satisfying conclusion to this arc, but it's not satisfying from the perspective of anybody who was like, oh, he's a fucking dipshit, like, you're, you're not getting back from that, just understand that, so... So, Nancy goes to talk to Maddie, Maddie's makeup artist is in there, please understand that anytime a side character is given an actual name, other than, like, a job role, I'm like, you're the person who did it, like, immediately in these books, because I'm like, why are we learning about you if you're not, you're at least gonna be a suspect, just saying. Anyway, um, so her makeup artist is in there, and is like, oh, Maddie, don't cry, because Maddie, of course, is getting emotional about things, she's like, don't cry, you'll ruin your makeup, and Maddie's like, ah, anyway, um, I can't fucking remember everything that happens in this damn book and of course I don't have it in front of me. So I'm just there's some sort of event and I think that it's like somebody yelling or somebody saying oh no or I think it may have involved uh Rick getting ooh I think this is the part where Rick gets a photo like as part of his fan mail and it's one of his headshots and it's got like his list of um acting roles and credits on the back of it. And he receives it, and it's got, like, marks on it as though somebody was marking up his face. And it was like, you're not going to be so pretty once I'm done with you. And Rick brings it into Maddie's dressing room. And, of course, Bess immediately swoons because she's like, oh, my God, he's right here. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And Nancy's like, what is that in your hand? Show that to me. Like, she's like, I mean, he's hot, but... (laughs) He is not Rick Astley. He has blonde hair and sparkling blue eyes. So, And also, he is sex on a stick. Just, mm... Which always makes me think of corn dogs. And that is also fitting for Rick Astley. So he walks in with his headshot and he's like, Oh my God. So, like, everything before this felt like it may not have been serious, but oh my God, look at what they've done to my face. And Maddie's like, Oh, honey. And Bess is like, I'm hyperventilating. (laughs) Like, twice when they walk in, Bess is like, Do I look good in this skirt? And Nancy's like, um, yes, you look great in this skirt. I, is it uncomfortable? Like, why are you asking me about this repeatedly? And Bess is like, I mean, yes, it's uncomfortable, but it is hot. And I just, I need to confirm this. Like, oh, Bess, you just want to pat her on the head and be like, let's go do our nails. So, um, Nancy looks at the headshot and she's like, this, this is not the kind of thing that you would like hand out to fans. And he's like, no, actually, this is the kind of thing that I would hand out to like somebody in the business. So somebody who was casting for a role or something. That's why you would list like your acting credits on the back of it. And Nancy's like, Huh. Okay. Like there's a lot of shit in this book and I would forgive it if this were like Nancy's sixteen. She's not really presented as somebody with a lot of experience. But she's supposed to, like, oh, she's got a reputation as a private detective. She, like, she's a really skilled amateur. Like, there's all this stuff. There's all this backstory that is kind of sunk in here that you're just... They're like, I mean, whatever. And you're like, fuck you, buddy. Like, I need this to be a thing that she learned from. I don't need her to respawn at the beginning of the next book and have forgotten all this shit because it feels like this is shit she should already have known. So the second that 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 happened, where it was like, oh, this is something that somebody in the business would have, and then Nancy's like, oh, well, somebody stole it from his dressing room. And you're like, maybe, but again, like, you had to sign in to get in the door, so, mm, anyway. Like, there, there's some shit that's just not holding together that at the end of it, she's like, oh, what if it's this? And you're like, yeah, bitch. Anyway, um, yeah, they look at the photo. They go on the set. Um, They're doing set up for that day. And let's see, the two main actors are sitting on the couch. So Maddie is sitting on the couch with Rick, and they're having some sort of emotional discussion with each other. There's also teleprompters in the corner of the screen that Nancy is... There's also this weird fucking point of view shift that happens at the beginning of this book where it kind of it doesn't do the third person limited that normally does to Nancy's thoughts. It like kind of presents her from the outside, which I found really fucking creepy. It only happened a couple times, but I was still like thrown because I was like, "This is not how we normally handle this." Anyway, getting back to the main point, Nancy and Bess are watching. Bess, of course, is just like overwhelmed by this. Is just the best and. Nancy notices that a one of the overhead lights is casting odd light on the set, like it appears to be swinging. She looks up and she sees that it's like hanging from one chain. She runs over to the couch. I think that Rick is sitting on the couch at this point. Maddie is not like she's just walking in to, to talk to him about something. And so Nancy comes over, tackles him. Like, the entire fucking couch tips over. And I'm like, so it wasn't a real couch or it was just, like, a super flimsy couch? I D okay. K. Maybe they made them super light so that they could move them across the stage, she said, for the one person listening she knows is into this stuff. Um... I'm I would guess and I don't think it was made of paper mache um or tinfoil but Nancy tackles him he goes back like ass backwards over the couch collapses to the floor he's like what happened and then the light crashes down where he was because that is exactly how this shit has to go down in these books you know that so he looks up and he's like oh my god that could have killed me and Nancy's like yeah and he's like my guardian angel and you're like get your fucking hands off her says me the person reading this and Nancy's like I have a boyfriend (laughs) like immediately He's like, can I take you on a date later? And Nancy's like, I have a boyfriend. Like, immediately shutting that shit down, and I'm fucking here for it, so... But Rick decides to go back to his room to settle his nerves after that incident. Of course, they have to go over the entire set and clean up and find any sort of clues or missing pieces or anything. Nancy and Bess are looking around because, of course, the people who are looking for clues are fucking dipshits, even though they have carefully labeled each individual shattered piece of that fucking light. She was like, that's pretty thorough. And I'm like, is it, though? is it? Is it? Are you going to reassemble it? Um, So, yeah, Nancy and Bess are looking around, and Bess is like, what's that? And Nancy goes over and looks at it, and she's like, this is part of the light fixture. It has been sawed through. One of his insane fans has breached the set. And so, of course, George Pappas, the one who was like, I'm going to fucking murder him for leaving me. Um, and you're like, hell yeah, you are, honey. There's some stuff there. Um, he was like, that's it. We are shutting down the set. No guests, no visitors. Because when Nancy and Bess walked in earlier that day, like when they walked in to sign in and everything, a tour group was coming in. And just a massive old tour group. And they were like, oh, yeah, go ahead to the set. It's fine. And Nancy and Bess overheard people talking like, I can't believe that he's talking about leaving. I can't believe that he would treat the male, the female lead this way. Like, just kind of talking shit about him. They were like, but he's so fucking cute, though. So, yes. So now George Pappas has been like, we're shutting down the set. No more, no more people who can come in to just do tours. None of that shit. We're not doing any of that shit, which includes Nancy and Bess. Because Nancy and Bess are there as the guests of Maddie, but they're still guests. They're still not, like, essential personnel. So Nancy's like, well, huh, I guess we can't come back. Damn. Which, again, like, anyway. So Nancy goes to talk to... Nancy and Bess go to Rick's dressing room, which again, Rick is like, who are you, enchanting creature? And Bess is like, tee And you're like, oh shit. Which of course, Nancy's like, mm, yeah, we, dead people knew this was going to happen. Everyone, everyone fucking knew. Um, so Nancy leaves them alone because she wants to go um, talk to the producer. Like she wants to hand him the evidence. He, he says they're going to be a close set and blah, blah. When she comes back to Rick's dressing room, I'm going to try to phrase this as exactly as I possibly can without the book at my perusal. Um, the, that Bess and Rick were locked in a kiss that was, quote, almost too steamy for TV. And I was like, 1987 TV? Like, I'm trying to think back at what would have been considered too hot for TV at that point. And it's like, and almost, which I was like, how, were they half undressed? Was he copping a feel at the time? Because, okay, okay, honey, like, There's a lot in this book to indicate to me that Rick 100% banged Bess, like 100% to the point that, like, within the book, you have to actively ignore what makes sense to come to any other conclusion, which, again, when I was, like, fucking nine... I, did, I was like, oh, yes, all the excuses they're giving seem perfectly valid, and I am accepting them at face value. So mm, now I'm like, y'all banged. Y'all 100% fucking banged. Um, yes. So Nancy walks in and is like, oh, uh, <clears throat> and they're like, oh, hey, 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 uh, Rick wants to take me sightseeing. And Nancy's like, I, I guess we're not doing any more work to, like, this set. And Rick's like, hell no, we're, shh, I'll, I'll pick you up later. So, and also, um... Yeah, there's still this weird thing where the, they're like, maybe somebody in the tour group somehow sabotaged the light. And I'm like, somebody at the tour group snuck onto the set with a fucking hacksaw? Like, what kind of implement would it have taken? Because somebody clearly, like, sawed through the light fixture thing. Like, what what did they have secreted on their person that they were like, yes, I'm going to saw through this light fixture in the hopes... And you're you're like, this, this doesn't make sense. This is not something that a rando should be able to do, just saying, but anyway, so, um, yeah, so that night, um, Rick is like, I'm gonna pick y'all up in my limousine, it's gonna be fantastic, um, so, um, Nancy wants to come along because, again, Rick's life is still in danger. Nancy is nervous because anytime that Bess spins around Rick, she could also be putting her own life in danger because, again, remember, Bess is not the one of them who does a lot of karate chops and is very defensive. Like, Bess is the one who is a good lookout and good person to call authorities she's not the kind of guy who's going to actually do any like hand-to-hand combat so Nancy's like okay well if you're going on a date with Rick then um I'm I'm gonna come along too and so Rick says oh okay well I'll invite a friend along and Nancy's like so it'll be a double date and Rick's like yeah and Nancy's like "Mm." she's like well that'll understand and I'm not gonna bang this guy so it's fine um they pick up the guy who is a stand-up comedian (laughs) of course he is Um, he apparently had to change his name and his look because he apparently had too similar a name and too similar a look to somebody else and he had to refine his act and he's very self-deprecating and Nancy likes him like as, uh, in a platonic way, like she's, she has no problem with him. They decide to go on a sightseeing one of those boats, like they go up to the harbor and get onto one of the boats, I think to go out to the Statue of Liberty or, or one of those similar boats to go around the island. And, um, they like, Rick puts on, like, an old hat and an old coat and everything so that nobody will recognize him. But, of course, like, near the end of the trip, somebody recognizes Rick. And they're like, oh, Rick, can we take a picture? Can we get your autograph? And this one dude is like, I'm gonna kill you for hurting. And then he doesn't say Maddie's name. He says the name of Maddie's fucking character on the fucking soap opera. He's like, you hurt her. You killed her. And I'm gonna kill you. And everybody's like, oh, shit. So... He, like, fucking tries to tackle Rick off the boat, like, as in to pick up tiny little Rick and just fling him off the boat to the point that Rick actually is, like, clinging to the fucking railing at this point. So, they get the guy off him. They call the authorities because, of course, they're really near the dock, so they're able to get somebody's attention. Um, They get Rick back up, and so they're like... Okay, and again, I'm gonna do a trigger warning for, like, just fucked up shit, and this is fucking problematic. They're like, this guy was just released from a mental institution, and so that explains everything. And so Rick—okay, and and um, triggery—Rick is like, oh, everything's fine now. Like, in his mind, this person was behind all of the threats, all of the—everything that he thought was frustrating or whatever that was happening on set. And so he's like, oh, oh, okay, we're good now. We're good. I can do what I want and Nancy's like I have a really strong feeling that this is not I mean it's possible that this because she remembers seeing the guy on the tour earlier she remembers him being one of the ones who was like grumbling and making bad comments about Rig. she's like I don't think that like it this doesn't feel like the solution to the problem for me like, I still feel like you really need to be alert and just in case because I don't feel like this is gonna end well. And Rick is just feeling fucking great. So he goes out with, they go out to, like, this really fancy dinner place. They go out to see a show. Like, they're they're walking, they're like, let's, let's walk next to Central Park. And I'm like, this is back when Central Park was, like, super sketch. I like it. Let's walk on the wild side, baby. Anyway, so Rick and Bess are talking together. Nancy's still talking to the, um the comedian guy, whose name I cannot recall, and it doesn't matter. He never happens again. Um. So, a fucking taxi, like, comes over the middle division in the road, like, comes over it and fucking heads straight for Rick. Of course, you know that we've got a lot of chapters and we need some cliffhangers. So, it comes straight for Rick, and Rick, like, fucking dives out of the way. Um. Nancy goes over and grabs Bess, because guess what dip dipshit just let Bess just stand there and take it? Like, if... I really wanted Nancy to be like, Bess, Bess, okay, if he fucking cared about you, he would have fucking tackled you or tried to pull you out of the way or done something other than save his own lily white ass. And Bess is like, oh my God, I can't, Rick, are you okay? And you're like, oh my God, fuck, fuck. Mm -hmm." Like Nancy's the one who had to fucking save your ass because he is a piece of shit. Um, But anyway, so he's just like, oh, I've just got some scratches, I'm fine. And Nancy's like, proving my point that whoever was in that taxi mm, is probably the person who was threatening you and Rick's like no I that was I don't know I don't know and Nancy's like for fuck's sake you dipshit like just maybe don't take as many risks I'm just saying just don't fucking take as many risks This segment brought to you by Mountain Dew Zero. Yes. Okay. So Nancy has told Rick Astley to just please just fucking mind his manners and just stop fucking around, y'all. So um, after that, this is when Bess and Maddie are like having dinner together, which the stupidest damn thing happens because they're in Eloise's apartment, of course, when they're like, my aunt, Eloise. Yes, honey, we know. It's fine. It's fine always makes me think of Eloise and Abelard. Um, so Nancy's standing at the microwave and it's like, she's about to bake some potatoes. And I was like, you do understand that that's not, you're, you're going to nuke those things. You're going to put them in there and nuke them. It's fine. No, no big, no big. Nancy's just distracted because this is the level of housework that she can accomplish during the files. Um, When Maddie comes in, and they're doing steaks, and it's going to be nice, and they're going to eat in, and I love that they're saving money. It's fine. Um, And Maddie's talking to Bess, and Bess is like, oh, my gosh, we we went sightseeing today, and Rick is just such a fucking darling, and I love him, and, like, I think he has feelings for me. And Maddie's like, oh, this is the section where they find out that Maddie and Rick have formerly been an item. So Maddie and Rick met when they were doing summer stock. They did, of course— What fucking play did they do? What fucking play? Did they do Romeo and Juliet? You bet your sweet ass they did. So that's what they were working on together. And of course, um, Maddie was playing Juliet. And of course, Rick was playing Romeo. And from that point on, Maddie was smitten, utterly smitten with this jackass. Who, side note, because I forgot to talk about the fucking cover of this book. Um, The weird thing about this particular one is that Nancy is depicted like breastbone and up. Like, she's a very big part of the cover image for this one. She's wearing, like, a red shirt with a black blazer over it. Her mouth is agape as though she's seeing something just off screen, just over your shoulder. There's a man sneaking up behind you. So she looks alarmed, and, of course, it's stay tuned for danger, so there better be some fucking danger depicted. In the middle ground, we have Rick Astley, who is wearing the modified Dorothy Hamill. No, he's got the feathered, like, mid-80s hair going, where he looks like he's a fraternity house prick. And, mm, yeah you know, hands in his pockets, just real chill, just confident in his masculinity in all possible ways. In the background, you have like this kind of sketched in image of Nancy tackling Rick off the couch, like in a not at all sexy way. Just saying. Anyway, and the light falling overhead. So that's what we've got for the cover of this one. Anyway, so Maddie and Rick have been an item. Um, they eventually got cast onto the soap opera together, and it feels like they were an item maybe at the beginning of that part, but then Rick, of course, started making connections and everything, and so Maddie tells Nancy, oh, we even had the same agent when we started here, but Rick, like, used him like he uses everybody, and so he's moved on to somebody else at this point, and Nancy's like, oh, maybe I could talk to him This is also when Nancy finds out that, like, everybody in that fucking... Everyone, everyone who's there for the soap opera shooting, like, wants him dead. They're angry at him for picking a different job they're angry at him for leaving him after he's got such wild success they're just like and of course he's a prick who uses everybody and who lavishes praise on people and then like almost immediately like turns it off whenever he's done with them Nancy also finds out that he's dated Lillian who treats Nancy and Bess like with utter disdain when she finds out that Nancy is a detective she's like oh isn't that sweet like you tiny little idiot there's one point where like Rick has been attacked and there's um there's a few, of course, different scenes. There's one where the makeup artist, the same one who works on Maddie, I believe, um, has a, I, th- I think this was after, I guess I should back up here. Um, Nancy and Bess drop by the studio to say hi to Maddie. Like, they're, at that point, the studio's, the set is closed to them. They can't actually go on set. Nancy even notices that the set door is vacuum sealed. And so when you go on to set, like, the door... S- shuts behind you with like this sucking sound like very space like um anyway they're there to see what's going on when all of a sudden there's an explosion upstairs and they run upstairs and it's rick's dressing room his mirror fucking exploded when he was in his dressing room and um thankfully he was wiping cold cream off his face at the time um sure so he was having his makeup removed, and so he was, like, he had a towel up over his face, and he was, like, blotting the cold cream off when the thing exploded. And so he has, like, fucking mirror shards in his damn hands, which sounds horrific, but his face is unharmed. And he's like, oh, my God, what could have happened to my face? And you're like, yeah, yeah. I mean, also, yes. No one wants a mirror shard through the eye. Like, that's that's not a thing anybody enjoys. So that's one thing that happens. And, of course, Bess is like, oh, my God, my poor sweet baby. And Maddie's like, oh, my God, my poor sweet baby. And they're like, oh, shit. Because it's clear that, like, Maddie and Bess are, like, they don't really want to be rivals. But Bess also is, she's like, oh, my God, he's in love with me. He's so totally in love with me. And Nancy's like, oh, shit, girl. Like, it never works out well for you when you fall for a suspect. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, yeah. So that happens. Um, There's a the point after that where I think his hands are already bandaged. And like at that point, they were like, we'll just write it into the show that he has bandaged hands. And you're like, sure, that seems completely reasonable. But Nancy is, Nancy's talking to Maddie. She's like, we we can't get on set anymore. And Maddie's like, oh, no, you can. It's fine. I'll just call the casting director and have you come on as extras. And it's okay. We've got a scene that's going to this and be in the hospital, so we will just cast you as nurses. And Bess is like, oh, my God, this is my big break. And Nancy's like, okay. Me, the person reading this, is going, Okay, so he said he was closing the set to everybody. Maddie is able to, and she legit calls the casting agent, and then, like, the, whoever's saying said no casting for the show, and then, like, ten minutes later is like, okay, you're set, just show up at eight. And, like, okay. So when you say it's a closed set, and you're making sure that nobody can get on set, um, I think that clearly you are demonstrating that it's not closed to outsiders, because Nancy notices that nobody fucking notices her whenever she's on set dressed as a nurse. Yeah, yeah, that, mm, yep, that seems like a big clue. Anyway, that's fine. So, the next day after um, Nancy has found out about the agent, who I'm going to name Gene because I can't remember his fucking name, um... She decides to go up there and ask questions about, and she also is kind of curious about, she's like, oh, well, if he was um, Rick's agent, then it's possible that he has like the kind of headshot that was sent to him, like with the markings on it. Like, I'm just curious. So Nancy goes to um, Jean's office and she's like, oh, I'm an aspiring actress. And he's like, I don't have time for aspiring actresses. Like I would never get any work done if I took on every aspiring actress who came to my door. And Nancy's like, no, I know Maddie. And Gene's like, oh, you know, Maddie. And it's like, yeah, she's she's great. So, actually, what happened, and Gene tells Nancy this, is that Gene was also part of that summer stock production, Romeo and Juliet, like when Rick and Maddie met. And Gene was there, and Gene was an aspiring actor, and he wanted to play Romeo, but then... Rick got it, and so Gene's like, yeah, and he's an ungrateful asshole, because I I am the reason he is so successful. When he came to this town, like, I couldn't get any real roles, so I decided to become an agent, and I helped Maddie out so much, and Maddie admits, because Rick even says, like, you need to get a new agent, oh my god, and Maddie's like, I mean, I feel loyal to him, because, like, he's stuck with me through everything, and... Nancy's like I'm sure so when she's going to his office and he's like yeah he owes me and I can't believe that he he like because Gene is not his not Rick's agent and Gene has not been Rick's agent like as soon as Rick became super popular he basically dumped Gene so of course like Gene has reason to and of course Maddie's like no he's a big teddy bear like he would never and Nancy's like "Uh uh-huh like I'm gonna go check him out. So Nancy manages to get Bess in on this scheme. So Nancy's in Gene's office and she's like, Yeah, I'm a um I'm, I'm really good at all these different artsy things. And then Bess comes and knocks on his door and is like, Hey, I need to talk to you. And so Bess distracts Gene for long enough for Nancy to like rifle through his desk. And so she sees a bunch of like past due notices, eviction warnings, like all this stuff, noting that Gene is in trouble. And it makes sense that he would be mad at Rick, for you know, striking it rich basically and not getting a piece of that pie. So, Nacy's like, Okay, that's good to know. They go to the set later on that day, that's when the explosion happens. And then, um, so Rick's dressing room is basically put out in the hallway at that point because, of course, his dressing room exploded and there's his makeup artist, who I mentioned earlier, is I think the same one as Maddie's, and anyway, she's like, okay, so we're just gonna get some warm water in the sink, and then, like, the sink, like, apparently has something in it that is acid, and it starts, like, eating fucking holes through the stainless steel sink, and the makeup artist is like, oh, shit, that could have been your face, and you're like, uh, because there's a lot that's, within the threatening messages, within all the notes that Rick's getting that are like, you're gonna not be pretty anymore. And Nancy's like, oh, oh we, okay. Like, this seems definitely directed at your face. Lillian is like, he's gonna die. And Nancy's like, so are you admitting thing?" And Lillian's like, I'm just saying, like, he's a prick. There's a lot of people who do not care for him. And Nancy's like... okay, you're definitely on the suspect list. Because, again, like, Maddie actually tells Nancy that Rick dumped Maddie to date Lillian. And then Rick, after he had dated Lillian and then got connected to all of her producer friends, then he dumped her and blah, blah. So... Rick is technically not with anybody. There's a point that um, he had to go for some sort of like entertainment tonight, like some sort of soapy online, like, not online, not on 1987, but it's like, it's on morning TV actually. And Bess is like, oh my God, Nancy, look, he, he told me about this, that he was having this interview. And so they watch it and they refer to him, the announcer refers to him as Mr. Sex Appeal, which first off... When I was reading this book at nine, I would have been fucking scandalized as shit. Second, like, the interviewer's like, do you have a special lady out there? Like, just curious. And Rick's like, I do, but I'm not going to name names. Wink. And Bess is like, he means me. And you're like, and Nancy's just sitting there like holding her head in her hands like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, mm, this is all bad. This is just all real, real bad. Because here's the thing, bitches. Um, Nancy wakes up. I don't remember which fucking morning of this long national nightmare it is. Nancy wakes up, and Bess is not in her bed. And so Nancy's like, oh, I guess she got up early, like, even though this is not a thing that Bess historically does. And so she hears Bess, and she looks out the fucking window, and she sees that Bess getting out of Rick's fucking limousine at five fucking o'clock in the fucking morning. And Nancy looks down, and she's like, what the shit? So Bess comes upstairs, and Nancy's like, what? You were what? You went to bed when I did last night? And Bess is like, yeah. And um, he he called me and we went out to a discotheque. And you're like, fuck yeah, you went to a discotheque, girl. They were just doing rails of coke. And Bess is like, it was fantastic. And we went to this little place that he knows, this really cool restaurant. And oh my God. And he's just, I love him so much, Nancy. And I was like, as a a nine-year-old, I was like, this seems reasonable, as a me, I'm like, y'all banged. Y'all banged a lot. Like, I don't know if there was a champagne hotel room involved, but y'all banged. He had you out until five o'clock in the fucking morning. This is like, we fell asleep watching a movie territory. So anyway, Bess is like, I'm so in love with him. And Nancy's like, oh my God. And there is absolutely no fucking hint in the text. Other than, of course, what I just said that, yeah, they 100% did it. Like, all evidence points to that without her ever saying, like, and he's really fucking hung. Like, there's none of that. Anyway, so, so Nancy's, like, he, she's getting way too involved in this, and this is just real, real bad, and oh my god, oh my god. Anyway, so they have a little bit of a fight over it, because Nancy's, like, you, you should just be super careful, because I still think that somebody's after him, and I think that it's, kind of dangerous for you to be alone with him. Not because of anything that he's necessarily going to do, but because whoever is stalking him, like, clearly doesn't care about Bess's well-being whatsoever. So, it's dangerous for her to be near Rick because the stalker slash person who wants him dead is after. And Bess is like, I'm fine. I can take care of myself. And Nancy's like, no, you can't, but okay. So, there's that. So, Nancy's just trying to figure out, like, who of the many thousands of people could possibly have done this. Um, they go to set, and again, this is one of the days that Nancy and Bess are dressed as nurses. The, I think the first day that they're dressed as nurses, like, something interrupts taping, and so they're like, oh, just go home, because, again, Rick's dressing room like fucking exploded. Like, it's just all kinds of bad. So, um... Nancy and Bess are on set. They're dressed as nurses. Um, Bess actually gets a part where she gets to hand Maddie, like, an intake form or something and say, like, yes, or or just, like, a single word or whatever, and Bess is like, I told my mom to tape it, and Nancy's like, I mean, hey, I would be happy for you if this is how you get your big break. Like, I'm... That's totally fine. Like, Nancy is wearing, like, this Ronald McDonald red wig, and she's like, I'm not here for this shit. I'm here to be on set just in case some shit goes down. Respect. So... Um, Nancy is, Nancy's actually, like, walking around to clear her head. Side note, um, Ned talks to her at two points during this. Um, she calls him and he's like, I would love to be there, but I'm working on a paper, which, again, it's 1987. It's not like he can, like, take his travel typewriter and mail it back to his professor. But also, there's this, like, I'm like, what is this code for? Does this mean that you have another secret government project that you are working on? What is happening? Is there some interesting stuff going down at Emerson? I don't know. Anyway, so he's got a paper he's working on, and Nancy's like, I just don't know where to start with this case. It's just, like, it, it's beyond me. And that's like, well, I have faith in you. I know that you can do this. And she's like, you're the best. And she tossed him again, and then of course, is like, I wish that I could be on the next plane out there. Like, you know, I know that you can make it through this. She tossed him about the guy that she went on that double date with, and she's like, but he was nothing like you. And I'm like, yes. And that's really the only cute stuff that we have between them. But, I mean, it's fine. No big. So, um... Yeah. The thing that happens next is Nancy's out for a walk to like clear her head and organize her thoughts and everything and she's like and she runs into Lillian like a block away from Eloise's apartment and Nancy's like what are you doing here and Lillian's like I just wanted to tell you that Rick basically deserves to die and Nancy's like again with trying to basically tell me that you are the villain here like what the fuck and Lillian's like I'm no I'm I'm just saying like he's hurt a lot of people they have reason to be mad at him. He's a piece of shit. I'm just telling you, like, I know that your friend is deeply into him. Like, just, this is real, real bad. So, what happens after that, of course, is Nancy's like, well, you know, clearly you are a, a top suspect here. But Nancy gets a message that says that she needs to come to the set at, like, some god-awful time, like, 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, And she's supposed to come alone, and it's... It's related to Rick in some way. Ooh, I forgot to say the other thing. There's one of the days that they're on set, because I think there's two days, actually, that Nancy and Bess are playing nurses, you know. And I use that in the loosest possible sense. Um, When... Maddie is Maddie's having a scene with Rick and the director is on set watching them and Maddie's like don't you know that I love you and and I never want to be away from you or whatever and so the director stops him and is like you're starting the scene with too much emotion you need to pull back so that you've got somewhere to go to and Maddie's like oh okay and Nancy notices that both of them seem kind of distracted and like they're reading off teleprompters. And of course, like, this is, I think, the day after Bess went on her exciting date with Rick. And so she's like, he said that he needed to go run some lines, but, mm. and I'm like, yeah, y'all were just banging. Y'all were just banging it out. Um, but anyway, so Maddie's glancing over. And of course, Maddie's kind of upset about everything that's going on because there's one point where she's like, oh, the guy was arrested and it's going to be fine. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's not over. It's, it's not over. We've got a lot of pages left. It's going to keep going. Um, so anyway, Maddie's reading off the teleprompter, and it's like, "I love you, Rick, and, and I'm going to kill you." Like, actually, Maddie doesn't say the word. She stops and screams and and like flinches, and everybody's like, "What's wrong?" She's like, "The teleprompter." And so Nancy looks over, and it's like, "And I love you so much, Rick, and I'm going to kill you. I'm going to like do, it's it's just bad. It's just bad stuff. That it's like, I hate you so much. You've ruined everything, and and I'm, I want to murder you." And Nancy's like how would this have happened? Is this some sort of Ron Burgundy situation? And so, of course, the George Pappas, who you will remember from earlier, who is, I want to imagine that he's chomping on a cigar, and that may be from the text. Um, he's like, who did this? Give me the teleprompter person. And so that person comes in, and she's like, I don't, I didn't know. This was not here earlier. And he's like, well, you know, when would somebody else have had a chance to do this? And she's like, I mean, I got this phone call, but when I went, nobody was there, but it was only, like, five minutes, and he's like, well, you're fired, and he also, side note, fired the guy who was responsible for doing the maintenance on set, like, handling the lighting the day that that lighting fixture broke. He was like, well, you're fired, and Nancy was like, that's fucked up, like... He, this is clearly not, like, a maintenance issue. This is not something where it's like, oh, something through normal wear and tear wore out. Like, somebody legit, like, saw through that shit. Like, Because mm, he was like, I checked everything this morning. And I was like, first off, I would call that bullshit in real life. But, I mean, I get it. Anyway. So... He hi- he fired that guy. He fired the teleprompter girl, like, immediately, and was like, you get the fuck out. And Nancy's like, I mean, I would tell you to tone it down a notch, but you, you chomping on that thing, like, you're just mad as hell. So, anyway. So, that happens. So, that's the thing that, like, has Maddie's nerves frayed. Everybody's just on edge and everything. So, Nancy gets that message that says that she needs to be on set, and... I can't fucking actually remember whether Rick is supposed to be there. Like, it's kind of weird. It's kind of like somebody wants to get rid of Nancy so that they can then get Rick, even though I would argue that... Nancy has not actually prevented any of these attempts from succeeding. Like, she didn't find the explosive device um, when she talked to the bomb squad people who were there. Oh, side note. Nancy also receives a bomb threat. Like, she get her aunt's like, oh, somebody sent a package for you. And Nancy opens it up, and, like, she hears it ticking, and she's like, fuck! And so they call the bomb squad, and the bomb squad's like, it's an alarm clock, but... Better safe than sorry, and of course it's a note. This is like your time is running out, Nancy Drew, because you know you gotta be cute. See, you gotta make it. You gotta make it fashion. So it's cool. So Nancy has also gotten one of these like suspicious, mysterious. Like oh yes, but anyway, there was a timer on the device that was in Rick's dressing room. So it's not like oh well, it was gonna go off at blah blah. So anyway, so they're not really sure how it was planted or anything. My favorite thing, though, is like the bomb squad finishes up and they're like, okay, bye, we're gone. And it's like there doesn't seem to be any increased security on set. Not really. They're just, it's like, I'm going to lock the set down and make sure nobody that's from outside can get on. And you're like, but Nancy and Bess are there. So you're failing. I'm not saying that Nancy and Bess are responsible. What I'm saying is that they are an example of the fact that you're failing. Just saying that. So getting back to the end of this mofo. At the end of it, um, Nancy says that she has to go. Like, the person says, like, you have to be here on set, blah, blah, blah. So she goes. She tells her aunt that that's where she's going. And her aunt is like, don't go. I don't know what I would do if anything happened to you. And Nancy's like, I was the one who said I didn't want to do this shit. Do you remember that? Do you remember? Do you remember when I said, I'm here in New York for a vacation, and you insisted that I help Maddie, and I'm going to see it through. And Eloise is like, but you're my brother's only daughter and he will just like skin me alive and nancy's like look i do this shit all the time at home i know what i'm about it's fine so eloise is like okay and of course it's a no cop situation so um but eloise of course like basically assembles a squad of cops and waits outside um Nancy goes up there and she also, whenever she goes in, she's like, oh, it'll be fine. I'll just kind of leave the door cracked. But of course, as you remember, the studio door is vacuum sealed. So she goes in and she sees Lillian and she's like, oh, my God, it was you. And Lillian's like, no, um, I got a, I think that's actually how she ended up going in. Is Lillian got a message and Lillian was like, oh, my God, um, some, some bad stuff is happening. Like, I got a threatening message. And Nancy's like, you gotta, because Lillian, of course, had played all of this off as like some sort of crazed fan, like it's, you know, he deserves this, and so Lillian, when it comes to her, she is suddenly, all that bravado is gone, and she's like, this is real, real bad, you need to solve this. So, Nancy goes in, and um, basically, Gene Parmesan, that's why I named him Gene, the agent the person who was representing both Maddie and Rick steps out of the booth and is like, hello, bitches. And you're like, oh, snap. Because Nancy realized that if somebody were dressed in a way that made sense for them to be on set, that nobody was going to look twice at them. Nobody looked twice at her and best when they were on set dressed as nurses because they were expecting to see them. So she's like, maybe an actor. And you're like, yeah, yeah, makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense that somebody who has experience at acting would be able to blend in on the set. Like they might be wearing a maintenance outfit or whatever the fuck. So So that's what happened. Like Gene Parmesan is so fucking mad at Rick Astley for getting all these uh, just cushy jobs, and he got Maddie, and he got everything that Gene ever wanted, and he just wants him dead. So Nancy looks over and she sees that there's a smoke machine in like the and in, like in, in, backstage, like waiting to be used. And so she turns on the smoke machine because Gene's like, and I'm gonna get you. And so Nancy manages to turn on the smoke machine long enough to fill the entire place with smoke. I think that maybe dude was in the sound booth. This whole time. And so she's like, oh no, look, all the fog. Anyway, so he manages to find the switch to reverse the fog. But anyway, Nancy uses it to get the jump on him. She tackles him. Um, The cops come in, and Gene's like, but it's fine. We've got Gene Parmesan. It's fine. All his balloons, his bear outfit, it's all gone. Um, At this point, though, um, Rick and Maddie have reconciled. So, mm, So actually, I think. Oh, one of the things that happened early on um, was that Rick apparently received some chocolates that didn't taste right. Like, they tasted bitter. And he got, like, a stomachache the next day. And... He ends up in the hospital after... I can't remember exactly what happens. I don't remember if it's that he got that something else poisoned him or if, like, the explosion, if they sent him to the hospital after the explosion. I think that actually, like, the next day he was back on set, but Maddie, like, went to him and was like, um, I was so worried about you. And so that's, that was the process of the reconciliation. So Bess and Rick spent a passionate night together in his limousine, and then, like, 24 hours later, he was like, Oh, Maddie, I love you. And Bess was like this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And Nancy's like, oh, shit. Like, "Mm." so, yeah. So, Bess got, like, a sweet 48 hours of thinking that she was going to be Rick Astley's wife, and that didn't work out. So, yeah. So, um, the next day, Rick appears and hands both Nancy and Bess bouquets of flowers um, for their role in solving the mystery because Bess was like, oh, and he's like, this is from George Pappas. And Nancy's like... Way to just be the opposite of smooth, there, buddy. Just, just to fuck it up. Um, so yeah, it's just appreciation flowers. It's not like I'm so sorry. I've realized that I, my love for you is eternal. Um, yeah. So Rick actually has the shame to look away from Bess when he says it. He's like, yeah. So Maddie and I are engaged, and it's and Bess is like, shh, shh, I'm going home, <laughs> basically. Like, I fucking hate it for best. Like, Nancy looks at him. She's like, she'll, she'll get over it. It's fine. It, I mean, this this happens a lot. This this happens a lot. So, yeah. So, that's... It's a happy ending for all involved. Maddie has to get a new agent because hers is being led away in handcuffs. And Rick has... The producers have agreed to let Rick go. Like, they're going to ride him out of the show. Which I'm like, if he's the leak... If the show is fucking named after him, like... Is he gonna have an evil, not identical twin? Who like how y'all gonna ha- a cousin? I don't know. Uh, they don't care. It it doesn't matter at this point. It's it's all done. It's Chinatown. Um, so yeah. Um, hmm, mm. I think there was something. Oh, the other thing that happened is that actually, because um, everything kind of worked out well, I don't know if there was a lot of notoriety. Or, uh, attached to the all the shit that had been going down around the actual show but they did actually get the producer to hire f- back all the people that he had just spontaneously fired during the course of this investigation so that maintenance guy who did absolutely nothing wrong and the teleprompter girl who did not put go fuck yourself san diego on the teleprompter got her job back because again she was blameless blameless as a train so that's fine um yeah, Nancy and Bess go back home. They meet up with George, and George is like, "Oh my God, how was it? I heard that you know you were on the show and everything." And Bess is like, "I will never date another man again." And everybody looks at each other, and I'm like, "And thus began a new chapter in Bess's life." But no, immediately Bess looks out the window of, of, of course, the fucking ice cream parlor where they're at, where they're drowning their sorrows in mint chocolate chip. Beth looks out the window and she's like, oh, my God, who is that guy? He must be new here. I would remember him. And Nancy and George look at each other and, like, she's back to her old self, y'all. Okay. That is this week's episode. Next time, we are going to be looking at Circle of Evil, book number 18, which I fucking love because it's set in the summer in River Heights, which means that Ned's home from writing papers slash doing secret government projects. So, fuck yeah, buddy. Fuck yeah. As always... Stay sleuthing, my friends.